Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Welcome to Yo MMA Rap. It's your boy, Louis J. Gomez, Puerto Rican Rattlesnake, King of Things, Point Guard of Podcasting with a very sick Dave <laughs> Smith. Dave, you don't look good. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm a little under the weather, but I'll power through. Yeah, power through, man. Uh, that sucks, dude. Sucks. Sucks that you're sick, man. Also, suck that you missed James's fucking play this past That's weekend. True. It was, t- uh, I mean, the disappointment. I- the disappointment, like when he came out, like I saw him really? kept on looking to see who was no, next stop. to me during stop. the play. I shit you not, dude. I have a really? moment actually where you he looks at me, he's smiling, and then you see his face drop. <laughs> Shut up. He got in his fucking head. Oh man. Well, I actually do really feel bad about missing that. I'll give him a call this week. Yeah, uh well, how was it? Do? It was great. It was fucking incredible. My son uh was in Shrek the musical, like you know, a, a local production of it. Um, and he fucking killed, dude. He's extremely talented like he's a fucking really really talented wow that's kid. crazy like, was your dad talented where'd you get it from <laughs> i don't know dude you got it from <laughs> somewhere talent somewhere else in your family his no, mom's fought, side he, a lot dude, of talent he, on his mom he can side. sing he can dance he can act he's like he's so present he like became donkey like he like out of name like, all the things you can't do the the um you know, a lot of the other kids, they're just like kids. They're just sort of saying their lines. Like James became fucking donkey, dude. He was the youngest kid on the entire um, cast. It was nine to 14 years old. He was the only nine-year-old on the cast. And he got the, like, the funniest and technically, look, Shrek's fine, but donkey's the fucking role. That's the funny role you want. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, no, that's beautiful, dude. Congratulations. Man. That was really fucking great. I'll, I'll send you some videos and some pictures because he fucking I'm, I'm so proud of him. And no, he wasn't disappointed. I don't even know if that he remembered if you were supposed to come. He was sort of like <laughs> in his own little fucking world. But it was it was great. It was really, really nice. I uh, I got recognized by a fan in front of like James's teacher came his fourth grade teacher came and a fan came up to me was like are you are you Louis Gomez and I saw the teacher being like what the fuck's going on right now <laughs> I get to look like the fucking man it was pretty cool dude I was getting recognized at the at the right time I I remember literally man this might have been like my second or third date ever with Lauren mm. and we just went to this little restaurant in uh in Manhattan and it was kind of random like I think I just looked on my phone and was like oh this place had really good reviews or whatever so it's like okay let's go here it's like close to where we are and we just went to this restaurant and we eat and it was good we had a great time um and at the end of it the manager comes over and he goes i'm he goes i'm so sorry i don't mean to bother you i see you like you're eating but you're dave smith right and i was like oh yeah and he goes i'm, I'm a huge fan like diehard like this whole thing and he goes food's on the house thank you so oh, much nice. for coming in here come back anytime you want to blah blah and i was like i it was like i couldn't have paid someone yeah. just set it up better for like your like second date with a chick and anyway, really, that guy that guy got me a family that he that's really have... funny babe babe will you bring me my coffee <laughs> thank you the the um i'm so glad for... you have a girlfriend back in your life i need you don't have to i need i need a coffee babe you don't have to pause the shows constantly you need a nice <laughs> coffee babe he did so that on purpose is... by the way <laughs> i did i need a coffee babe um so with her i think it might have been our first date i i'm almost positive it was our first date and um we like we went to dinner and then afterwards we went out to like a bar just some local like bar that she knew of and um she went to the bathroom thanks mama she went to the the bathroom and then as she's in the bathroom the bartender is like hey are you are you lewis j gomez and I'm like, yeah. He's like, dude, he's like, I'm such a fan, dude. Like, oh my God. Like, it's so nice to meet you, dude. And I was like, dude, stop. What are you fucking doing? You see him with a hot chick. I was like, <laughs> pause your fucking thought for a minute. Do this when she comes back out. He was like, oh, oh my God. Dude. He literally, dude, he did the whole thing, dude. He acted. I told her afterwards, like, uh, like a few months later, I was like, oh, yeah, he came up to me beforehand. But I had him reenact it and he fucking <laughs> nailed it, by the way, dude. He came out and he acted extra excited the second time. 
<laughs> and it's so on brand for you to do that too. He got a real Luis J. Gomez experience. Okay, it was crazy. He, like literally, I'm sitting at uh, uh, the bar with a hot chick. She gets up to go to the bathroom and he waits. It's like he was serving us. He well, waited until she fucking left. He didn't want to interrupt your conversation. Just no, to come no, that is know. retarded. If you ever he see goes, me. He goes in his mind. He goes, there's no way Lewis is so vain that he'd actually be upset that I'm not doing this in front of this chick. <laughs> well, no, I am that vain. And it's not even being that vain. I'm trying to put my best foot forward on a date. And I want to look fucking cool, dude. Of course. If you ever see me out with my chick or really with any people. If you ever see me out, not only do I want you to interrupt me, I want you to go above and beyond. Do you remember the scene from Coming uh, to America? I, this is only applies to Lewis. I'm fine with it. Just no, like, no, no. Hey, it's for I, all of us. I like what you do. Every comedian. Every comedian. The, the scene from Coming to America. In fact, Coop, pull it up. What, we, we're a multimedia platform. Pull it up. Pull up the scene from Coming to America where... Got you. Do, do you know the scene I'm talking about? Because I just said the movie, and it could be any of the scenes. <laughs> I was going to take just, a guess. The scene is just uh, Eddie Murphy in the bathtub. <laughs> Yeah, the royal penis is clean. It's <laughs> not what we're talking about. No, I'm talking about when the guy who works at the stadium recognizes him, right? And he's with he's with his chick, and um, the guy like knows him as the prince of Zimbabwe or whatever the fuck it is or whatever fantasy country it is, and he like gets on his yeah. knees, he's like, oh, it's so, and he's so uh, grateful to meet him in that moment, um, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I gave him a tip or whatever it was, and then fucking. Yeah, she's super impressed with him. So that's the scene I'm talking about, Coop. Yeah, got to pull it up in a sec. It's Zamuda, and I think Zimbabwe is actually a real country. Zamuda is not a real country. <laughs> yeah, but you said Zimbabwe. Bob Zamuda. Isn't that, isn't that the guy that uh, partnered with, what's his name? Andy Kaufman, yes. Yeah, Zamuda. It was named after Bob Zamuda. <laughs> I think it was. I'm going to double check if I'm saying it right. You might be saying it right. Um, it's fine, Coop. The moment's passed. It's all good. Shout out to Yo Crate. I'm home with the $60 kilo. Without them, yeah. the show would not be possible. What, a, what an amazing um, card this past Saturday night. Um, front to back, just a really fun card. Lots and lots of finishes. Dana White afterwards came out, and he said because of the holiday season, he awarded everyone on the card that got a finish a $50,000 bonus, um, which is pretty fucking sweet. It I don't know why. Am I crazy? And this this is probably not that relatable. But maybe I'm I'm just crazy. I, I'm it's not even be, I'm not rich at all. Like like fifty thousand. If I found fifty thousand dollars right now, I'd be like, whoa, this is the fucking greatest day ever. It'd be amazing, right? Yeah, fifty k right there nice. and then. But for high level, high caliber athletes, doesn't it sort of just not sound like it's that much? It sounds insulting to like right. the idea, to like that. It's like and and also just look. I mean, look, who am I to say he runs his business the way he runs his business and he's done an uh, incredible job. We all owe the sport to Dana White. Yeah, but it's such weird, like pimp shit, the way he still holds it out that there's not like some objective thing where you get this money. He's like, at my whim, I will. Well, he also says, did you hear the press conference? I saw part of it. Yeah. Yeah. He literally goes, it, literally, he goes, hey, you know what? I'm in a good mood today. You're like, yeah. fuck you. It's that easy, dude. It's literally that easy for you just to hand out 50K. Because guess what? I could use it. Please. Yeah. Are you in a good mood? Or are you in a bad mood? Where is Dana White's mood today? Yeah. It's just, it, it's sort of like they 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 dangle this 50K, which is enough money where you're like, you really want it. For a lot of these guys, the lower level fighters especially, it might double or triple up the amount of money that they make, right? But when you hear about whatever it is, when I think of a UFC fighter, the, the top of the mountain, there should be a little bit more smoke and mirrors that these guys are all millionaires. I should think well, that they're all like fucking it's, it's when they just got 50,000. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing uh, there's a clip of Conor McGregor. It's like one of his, it might be his first fight in the UFC. Um, and he gets a big knockout and he's afterward in the post fight interview. He's like 50 G's baby, like calling yeah. for a bonus. And it's like just the idea of even Conor McGregor being excited for $50,000 is crazy. It's so wild. You know, and of course, look, he went on and made huge, huge money with the company. And a lot of them do. But it is, I don't know. Yeah, there's just something about it. I just like, like, as it relates, it would be like if I went to the comedy club and had the best set of the night. And then the comedy club was like, $100 bonus, baby boy. I would literally be like, sweet. That's uh, great. I could tip extra no, you now. And you wouldn't even like you'd. And if he like publicly announced it, even like that, you'd kind of be like, oh, go fuck yourself, dude. Like, I don't know. It would like it would piss you off 
Yeah, if, 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 like- if Patrick from the stand was like, I'm in a good mood. You know what, Gomez? You did great extra hundo today on you in front of everybody. And he gets the applause and everyone's like, Patrick, you're so generous. I'm like, fuck, fuck yeah. you, <laughs> you motherfucker, $100. It's nothing in the grand scheme of things. And that's really ultimately the thing. I think it sends a message to the UFC's now, if audience. if it was 50 grand, you'd be like, fuck you, Patrick. I will take that 50 grand. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I'm just saying as it relates to what I'm like paid compared to like, like for that set that night. Like, yeah, like, no, I understand what you're saying. It's just sort of like um, it just it sends a message that I would guys, not like it. If and, Gas Digital, let's say these guys fight, let's let's say to try to make it a, a comparison. If uh, every quarter you had a public podcast with you and Ralph and you went, you know, I really like Dave's numbers have been good this year. We just decided that 50, 50 G's, an extra 50 G's to Dave, blah, blah, blah. I'm in a good mood. I'm going to give Dave another 50 G's or something like that, which really is not, I don't know. It's, it, that's in the same ballpark of like comparison. I think my reaction would you'd be like, dude, let's talk business behind the scenes. Not yeah. like fucking make this a thing. Like well, I, that's I just, sort of I like that's like sort that. of their marketing where it's, but I'm just saying that it's bad marketing. I feel like sending the message that you're paying your top athletes, the best of the best an extra 50 K it's just like, that's what you win on a cooking show on Netflix. Not like the highest level athletes. If you yeah. were to, if you were to beat the judges in snack versus cake or whatever the fuck is on Netflix, you get 50 K. And yeah. I just feel like these guys invest their entire lives and by the way, it's not a little amount of money. It truly is a lot of money. It's a salary yeah. for most people probably listening to the show. It's a year salary. So I don't want this to come off as not relatable. I'm just saying as it relates, it sort of sends the message oh, that no, the really, doesn't pay yeah. that well. None of us wouldn't be excited if we made 50 Gs. If I got a $50,000 fucking gig or something, I'd be like, holy shit. Yes, this is incredible. It's just we're just talking about kind of the way it's done. And when it goes all the way up to the top as well, when you're talking about the guys in the main event getting a $50,000 bonus, it just doesn't feel for as big as the UFC is. It doesn't yeah. feel that sexy that like you feel that sexy. If you were talking to an NBA player or something like that and said, I'm, you're getting a bonus of this season of 50 grand. It'd be like, what? NBA players spend $50,000 on a night at a club. Yes, that's sort of the point. Actually, that's the ultimate yeah. bigger point here. It's like other athletes. You just if you were like the fifty thousand dollar bonus for this NBA player who makes twenty five million dollars a year. It's like it just sounds once once again where we can move on because I think we've sort of said all that we have to say about it. But I do think fuck it, give them the give them the bonus and make it a great thing. But to publicize it in a way, I think it's actually bad marketing. I think it sends the message that the UFC doesn't really pay their fighters that well. Um, you know, and I'm one of these people who I defend the UFC. I defend fighter pay. I defend Dana White all the time. People shit yeah. on Dana White. And I'm, I'm the first person to go, hey, you know what, dude? It's a private business. People don't have to fight. Go fight for Bellator or go fight for elsewhere. I'm just saying it seems like bad business for the UFC. I don't think it's necessarily even unfair to the fighters, because like I said, most of the time it's actually more money than they're even making. They're even- um, did you see um, Dave- your mic just uh, cut out or switch? Cam's gone, right? Yep, it's a bad. Yeah, yeah, I, I hit the wire by accident. Um, I think what you're trying by the way, to Vic say is, my... is that everybody needs to have a fight, bake a cake, hundred grand. <laughs> Going back to your cake idea, I like it, dude. If they can, if they honestly, if I were one of these fighters, I might go on snack versus cake instead. It seems like a safer <laughs> route, you know. Um, is that a real show? By the way, is that a real it's, show? No, not snack versus cake. It's called snack. It's like snack versus whatever. So with the 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 the, sh- the show, they give you like a common snack. They'll give you like a Cheeto. Like now you have to recreate a Cheeto, and whoever gets closest to recreating like the common snack is the mm-hmm. the winner. So I watched I, the episode where they did Pringles, and they I mean they but it's kind of cool. They do a whole <laughs> deep dive into how difficult it is to make a Pringle, like that that um whatever parabola, like that shape, like like is a very specific thing, and it's like to make that, it's a very to make that by hand, it's goddamn near impossible. So it's that's the whole show is watching these chefs fail at making common snacks. So I think they they deserve the money they're getting, is what you're saying. I'm saying, well, the chefs, the chefs do for sure. Yeah, the chefs unquestionably do. All right, Dave, real quick, we got to give a special shout out to Chalk C H O Q dot com, one of our brand new sponsors on this show. Everyone during the holiday season is a little bit crazy, and Chalk is a perfect all natural supplement to add to your routine to feel a lot better about your health and the supplements that are going into your body. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone lets themselves go a little bit in the holidays, and then come the new year, it's like resolution time. Get ahead of the game. Start taking care of yourself with Chalk. 
Yeah, I'll tell you right now, dude, my testosterone levels, look, I'm a fucking testosterone motherfucker. Let's get real, right? Uh, I'm still substantially above uh, the average 40-year-old. But I think you as a big estrogen guy. No, no, no. Testosterone out my tits, dude. And I, and I know I have tits, so that probably makes you think that it's an estrogen thing. But no, dude, my my tits are full of testosterone, which is an amazing thing. Um, if you guys, uh, I don't know if you've had your testosterone levels checked, but I did recently have them checked and I started taking their amazing natural testosterone booster. It's all natural. Um, it's taking sports nutrition and natural health world by storm. And I'll tell you right now, this is a fucking great product. If you want clean research-based testosterone, and in my opinion, it's the best on the market. So go check them out right now. Okay. All you gotta do is go to chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com. It's a huge deal for the holidays. If you use the promo code, yo, MMA, when you check out. You're going to save 35% off your entire order. Get those testosterone levels boosted up in a natural, healthy way. Chalk.com. Use that promo code YOMMA for 35% off. All right. Where were we? Um, Yeah. So Dana White and um, Patty, I guess Dana White went on Patty Pimblett's podcast. Um, This was before the fight, right? This is before the fight. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, a few days leading up to the fight. And I guess he's having a beef with Ariel Hawani now. Did you see any of this? Yeah, yeah I, I saw some things on Twitter about it, but I don't know anything about the uh, the story. So Patty has Dana on, and Dana, obviously, he hates Errol Hawani. And um, Patty just, I don't know if he's trying to impress his boss. I don't know what he what he's trying to do, but he has a moment where he's just like, he's like, yeah, you know what? Fuck all these journals. He's like, fuck Errol Hawani. He's like, he's eating off of our plates. Like he may, he, he, you know, essentially saying that he's just latched on as like a leech to the MMA community and makes money off of it. Um, and Coop, Coop has sort the clip, of went, by the way, if you want it. Oh, okay, pull up the clip, please pull up the clip. This on Patty Pimblett's podcast. I, I listen to Ariel. I love Errol Hawani, by the way. I'm a huge Errol Hawani fan. Um, just the way he handles himself. You know, I've met him a couple times. He's just a good dude, ultimately. And I, when Ariel speaks, you get the sense that there's no bullshit. It's not marketing. He's not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. None of that, right? And when Dana White and the, you know, and it's his company, it's he's supposed to, you get the sense that you're getting a partial truth, right? And I'm not even, that's not a knock. Like, I don't, I'm not completely honest about everything that goes on with all of my businesses behind the scenes. There's a lot that goes on when something, when there's a fucking dumpster fire, you don't really advertise the dumpster fire, right? You, you're sure. sort of, you're trying to, you know, market yourself the best way possible. Um, But I always have really appreciated the way that Ariel Hwani has sort of carried himself, right? And uh, so this is Patty the Batty going in on Errol Hwani. Let's get some volume on this. You have to you have to turn it on the computer, whoever is in charge of this right now. It's not it's not turning it on the that. So let's Tell pause it. Dylan, if you could uh, figure that let's, out. Let's let's pause it. Let's not just continue to stare at a silent video. That's get a that good volume idea. Working, bring it back on. When we have volume. We got we this, guys. We I almost we got made it. it. By the way, I just look, I, I don't mind Ariel Helwani, but I think the guy is kind of shady. Number one, really, and and yeah. I've met I've met him too. He did a video for the old Hammer Fisting, which was very nice of him. But I hated that whole issue he did with Brock Lesnar, where he revealed the thing. Well, that's what got him out of the UFC. The, the what, thing that made yeah, there was a lot of so basically what he did was he the he uh, leaked right that they had a, that Brock Lesnar was returning. Yeah. Yes. Um. And Before yeah, their reveal, yeah. it was the night of their pay per view. They had produced a trailer for the return of Brock Lesnar and Errol Hawani stole the scoop and fucking released it, which yeah, big faux pas, uh, big. I don't know. He's a fucking journalist. Do you want people that are in your pocket that work for you? Or do you want people to report, do a better job hiding it? If that's your big reveal. Listen, I can, the thing about it is, is that it's a little bit of like a weird area because it's not as if like the, if you're just a journalist, like if you're a news journalist, you're like, okay, you're there to like hold powerful people accountable. You're there to like expose corruption or supposedly that's what a journalist should be doing or stuff like that. But when you're covering entertainment, it's mm. kind of like I could understand. It's not as if there's something going on with the UFC that they're not telling the public about and you're going to break this story to the public. No, you're right. They just they have plans to tell the public in their way. I would think the editing in a more fun way, like, in a much yes. more and it actually it, yeah. for the MMA community and for the fans, it's way better to see the yes. trailer be like, oh shit, Brock's coming back. If there versus was Ariel a scandal, sort of steal, honestly, Ariel stole the scoop. 
for likes, right? Yeah. So he gets the, so he gets the, not, gets retweets, if, he gets the likes. If there was a scandal going on, the UFC had busted a bunch of guys for steroids. They were trying to keep it from the public. You knew about this. You're like, no, I'm going to run right. this story. I get it. This was just like, it's obviously they intend to tell everyone later tonight on their terms in this cool way. And you just take it. I can understand where that's just like, come on, dude. And then I, I can totally understand where the then Dana White goes, you know what? This is a fucking private company, and I don't have to let anybody here at my fucking press conference. And you know what? You're not going to be here at my press conference then. And he ultimately let him back in, but yeah. he did kick him out for a while. Because yeah. ESPN and, hired him. That's why. Yeah. ESPN yeah, hired yeah. him, and Dana White tried to get him fired. So so Ariel Hawani came out and like went nuclear on this. I want to watch the, the Patty the Batty comments in just a second here. Um, but Dana White was not happy that ESPN hired him. Um, okay. You know, I think that he did make a mistake there. I think that was a big faux pas. You're right. You're you're right. You completely changed my mind on it. You know, um, you know, it was a. But that's as far as it as it really is. Like, and it, Ariel should have said, "Hey, you know what, dude? This is like, I get a lot of access, and the UFC gives me a lot of access, and it's because he's talented. It's not because it's a favor sure. or a gift." Um, you got to sort of pick and choose the things you're going to do. So that was a that was a fuck up on his end, uh, uh, you know, in my opinion, somewhat of a professional fuck up, but also not the end of the world. Just not like anything like super malicious. Did he really know that they had a, a package that they were releasing and they were announcing it that way? Or you just tweet it when he heard it, he got excited, you know? Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's, people that's make people point. make mistakes. All right. Anyway, this is Patty the Batty on Ariel Hawani. I hate all these journalists, especially the ones what earn off us. Know what I mean? Like Ariel Hawani in particular, like he loves earning money off fighters. Yeah. Like every decent job he's had, he's been sacked from. <laughs> know what I mean? Like, and now he's just a, a biased content creator. Yeah. Know yeah, what I mean? And he hates on you, hates on the UFC, he even hates on me now. Yeah. And it proper annoys me oh. because he uses fighters for clicks, uses fighters to make money, and then tries to have the audacity to talk about the UFC and yourself saying that they don't pay the fighters enough. Get your dough out, Ariel. Know what I mean? Start paying people for these interviews. What You make thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds on. And that, I know that now because I make money off YouTube. So I know how much he earns off YouTube, off all his interviews, what he does. And you're doing it for exposure. No, you're not. You're doing it to put money in your pocket, Ariel. You little rodent. I just sat back and let that go. And Dana loves it. Dana loves it. All right, so that's fine. We, we got enough context there. Um, what do you think, Dave? What are you, earning money off of the fighters' backs? What do you think of that concept? Well, that okay, technically, so that, in that case, we are right now as well. Yeah. Technically. So that's that. I think is stupid. I think I that that the the idea of it, it's like, no, dude. If you want this thing to be bigger. And you want, you want the fighters content. to make you more want money to cover it. Yes, there's got to be people covering it. There have to be reporters. There got to be people in the media. There got to be people getting people hyped. It for that matter, you know, it's like if you're just going to look at that. Yes, he is making money by talking about this shit. That's true. How many pay per views has Ariel Hawani hyped up and gotten people interested in buying it? You know what I'm saying? It's like it's not. This is that's stupid. There is a somewhat of a point to saying. If Ariel is going to complain about the U the UFC not paying their people enough, and Ariel is sitting back making millions of dollars off this shit, why aren't you paying big for like them being on your podcast? And I do think there's, so. There's Ariel point... did respond to that, by the way, and his uh, which was a great point. He said, "It's not my YouTube channel." He was like, "I'm a I'm contracted. I think it's MMA okay. um, like SB Nation or one of these things." Now he's like, "I'm paid a salary to do this." If it gets a million views on YouTube, it means nothing to me. If it gets one view on YouTube, it absolutely means nothing to okay, me. Okay, fair like, enough. Could, but you, so but why doesn't the still, publication pay? pay why the isn't he putting pressure on them then to? But you know, it's like you, you, when people complain about others not paying enough, they often get into these kind of areas of hypocrisy where it's kind of like, oh, all right, like, well, you may say that. Usually, you're a pretty high-profile person yourself who's making a lot of money, and then it's kind of like, okay, well, how much are you sharing? Of, of, of you know. So there's something to be said there, but in general, I think in like, in life you kill what you kill what you eat, of, right? I, I, I think, I think he, that he's eating off of fighters is like I think bullshit. I think that I, I think I, in life, you, he's back. Well, Vic, what do you want to say? I want to add a point. Look, I, I, I get that. I don't think he should be paying for interview. People should be paying for interviews, all that stuff. But the the he is right on this point. The I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast, 
and he'll go on there and he'll run down Dana. And I know he has a personal vendetta. He'll run down UFC decisions. And, and he is not like this unbiased person now, especially since he's gotten his personal vendetta. So to present him in the manner where he's like the straight guy that has nothing in the fight is, is not true. So I, I, that's where I agree with Patty Pimblett on that as well. And then he goes on his show for two hours after the Brock Lesnar thing and cries about oh, my job and everything. And then he spent 72 minutes talking about this on his show afterwards, after the Patty thing. Yeah. I watch, I watch Ariel's uh, response to it. Um, you know, yeah, I think Dana White and company, I don't, I, I think you might be putting the cart before the horse. I think Dana White didn't like that Ariel was kind of calling things down the middle, right? He wasn't he wasn't one of these look, dude, people that want to be involved in the UFC, you don't fucking start shit talking Dana White. Simple as that. You just don't do it. And you know, Ariel was vocal about fighter pay. He was vocal about a lot of things. And Dana was like, Yeah, hey, you're not part of my business. You're like an outsider now. And then I think that's sort of what created the rift. I don't think it was like Ariel had a vendetta against UFC. I think Ariel is a massive fan of the UFC, a huge fan of the UFC and everything the UFC does. I used to get a little bit more of an honest perspective than a lot of these other journalists that just want their cushy seat at the table. You have to get approved for credentials. You have to get approved for media. It's not like if you're in the media, you get to just go to the event and cover it. Um, so I, I don't think that's fair to Ariel. I think Ariel is a pretty honest journalist, and I think that he's done a great job covering the sport. I think that he's one of the only... Reg, real, I mean, there's Brett Akamoto. There's a few guys that are like known as journalists in MMA. He's one of the most respected for a reason. I think that he 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 really is, and I think that he articulates things in a, in a really good and fair way. So I just sort of disagree with that. I think that um, it's an industry, right? So what does Patty want? He wants people to just be fighting in an octagon somewhere. You no, you want publications to cover it. You want YouTube channels to cover it. You want podcasts like this talking about you. You're cre- you're generating a buzz. You're generating interest overall, and you know it's good for the sport of mixed martial arts. I think well, you, th- you Hawani, think about it like he, uh, the only thing I'll say, but and I don't want to lose this thought is sure. Ariel likely makes more money than ninety percent of the UFC roster, right? Just himself, right? And that is not necessarily a reflection on Ariel. Not she, he shouldn't be making that money. The reflection is once again back on the UFC. They should be maybe paying their lower level fighters more than guys who are on fucking running YouTube channels. Yeah, that's but it's a, not that's... even. It's not necessarily clear who should make more money. I mean, I don't know. It's like it's, it's a weird thing. It's like if the, you know the question always becomes how much money you bring in, and then like what percentage of that money you negotiate for yourself to be taking out and the you know it's just like the, the it's a very I, I don't know this happens a lot with people even people who I really love and admire all the time where I feel like they get this shit wrong um you know I, I as I've said before and I don't know the details of the contract but like you know Chappelle always complaining about uh fucking Comedy Central and what they didn't pay him you know what he was worth or whatever and then it's like look there's just it's not as it's very well that's also crazy Chappelle showed his ass that he was a little bit of a psychopath at that time you can walk away but don't fucking you're making tens of millions of dollars for telling fucking dick jokes we all do it right we I've committed my life the same way Dave Chappelle has right Right. it's not like he's better he's more advanced he's he's the the, the goat right and he makes substantially more money but I'm saying like the commitment of my life when I hear any even what's it, it was some more one of those with big Monique. fat black Monique yeah she's like she only got two million and Amy got twenty million or whatever I'm like shut the fuck up when rich people start complaining about what they're not getting comparatively to other rich people well, it's also I just roll my eyes agreed. in a very deep and I, hard yeah, way I I I agree but I'm almost saying even beyond that it's like it's just not it's easy to go well look Chappelle show was this huge fucking hit it generated all this money and i only got this much i feel like i should have gotten more whatever but the truth is that before Chappelle show when the when they're making Chappelle show putting the comedy central machine behind it made it way bigger than it otherwise would have been this is before 100%. there were internet shows there yeah. was no you know what I, like this was the comedy channel yeah and at the then, time you the, the reason they made money is because they have an ad sales department that sells yes. millions of dollars worth of ads 
before that TV network, you didn't have the plat. There was no platform when Chappelle right. came out except for and television. That was the path because, that we all were going down. And because that show was such a success and because it generated so much fucking money and because it was so great because of Chappelle's fucking genius. But because of that whole success, Chappelle's his rate, his what he can demand going forward skyrocketed. He now, in everything he does after that, is going to be paid way more than he would have ever dreamed of being paid in everything he did before that. And a lot of it was because of that. And so it's just like, it's not as clear who's eating off who. You know, it'd be like me going like, okay, so I'm on I'm on some of the biggest shows on Gas Digital. And if I were to say like, oh, well, these guys like, like Coop and Natalie, they're eating off me. They're eating off the money that I bring in. But you could just see where, like, yeah, in one sense, like, my shows bring in money to the network and the network pays those people. But in another sense, you're like, my show doesn't happen unless there's producers, unless there's people editing, unless there's people working on all this. Yeah. This All of these people are needed to the build free this market machine. has figured it out already. Exactly. And but that's Coop, just the you want to make more money, be better at your job and come to us and say, hey, dude, I am irreplaceable. Pay me more money. Exactly. Maybe when we pull up a video clip, the sound's on the first time. I don't know. <laughs> just some ideas going forward. But you He's know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's a lot more of these networks that are that are necessary where all of these people and like. So, no, it's not the, uh, the, the core idea that Ariel is eating off the UFC and then has the nerve to criticize them. No, he's covering the sport and he should criticize them when he thinks it's especially like, because nobody there. is really criticizing them in the world of MMA media. Like, I guess there'll be an article that'll come out in like, you know, the New Yorker or like, you know, in a, a completely separate publication. that has nothing to do with it. that may criticize them. But there's nobody really criticizing the UFC. The fighters don't criticize the UFC because they're afraid. That if they, the guys who do, the Luke Rockholds, the John Fitches, the the Jake Shields, those guys are fucking blacklisted. Those guys are not given the opportunities. Yeah. Rockhold just happens to be good and and marketable still. So you know, I think Dana White sort of tolerates him. But if you start questioning the practices of the UFC as a fighter, a podcaster, a broadcaster, whatever, you're fucking done. You're out. Um, and I think that that. It just, that's not good for the sport. It's not good for the fighters. It's not good for the fans. You want, you want the, you know, you want competition. You want, you know, public perception to be dr things that drive people into the right place. Like the reason that like, you know, I run a podcast network. I don't want podcasters that work for my network leaving and going, yeah, those guys fucking ripped us off. They weren't paid yeah. enough. We weren't like. I don't want that. That's really bad. It's a bad. So I try to make things to where we can fucking pay everyone fair or, or create a, a situation where everyone is happy and, and feels like it's good, but not because there's not other options, not because you're going to fuck you're, Nobody's afraid to say gas digital sucks because they're afraid they're going to be outed and not be able to fucking create. There's so many options and the UFC, it's not a monopoly at all, but it is the fucking show and you don't want to be on the outs with the UFC, which also can is that, fair can, because they built can that. Can you make me another coffee? Thank you, yeah, Mama. Look, Lewis is back. I just think that I understand, and I'm not saying that he can't criticize the UFC, but there is a weird thing, especially in sports, where they invite you into their house, they give you access to all their fighters, and then there's these small things that are supposed to be surprises, and and they're asking you to give them a little bit of a quid pro quo. Yeah, that's part of the business. I understand that. But the part I don't like is he does have a personal vendetta against Dana. He does go and talk about it. And then he spends, you know, as a journalist, you're supposed to kind of let these things go. You spend like 75 minutes on your show, uh, turning it into the topic and analyzing it. You're making yourself the story. That that's not. I mean, look, dude, look, Dana White and Patty Pimblett. Patty Pimblett, one of the most popular fighters in the UFC right now, and then the head of the UFC go and put out a video that goes viral where they're just trashing you. They're trashing your credibility. They're trashing who you are as a person. I understand why Ariel took the time, dude. It may it came off a little petty. He could have rolled his eyes and been like, "Yeah, obviously." Um, but no, I understand him defending himself. I I, I really do. You know, uh, as a podcaster, like. Them. We're podcasting right now. We're not being journalists, right? And I think Ariel does have there's a distinction 
but he writes for publications. He creates content for publications. He covers fights for publications. When he's on his podcast, his long-form podcast, if he decides to take an hour to respond to a massively viral video, I'm not going to fault the guy for it. You know, I I, I really I look, I'm and not. we're all we're all playing the game of like putting out content. He knows if this thing went viral, that's also yeah. a thing people are going to want to watch. So it's all it's all kind of a fucking game. Um. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I do think he was wrong for releasing that fucking scoop. I've seen things Ariel's done where I think he's like wrong in the way he talks to fighters and shit like that. And I, I and I do agree with Vic that I do think, yeah, he's he's human, and I'm sure he's very colored by all of the beef that he's had with the UFC and all of that. No one here, no one is really completely objective and neutral. Um, yeah. That being said, I just don't. I, I really reject the idea that he's like eating off of the fucking UFC or something yeah. like that. Lord, I, I don't reject the idea that he's eating off the UFC. He is eating off of mixed martial arts, but everyone, it's an industry. There's, there's lighting guys who are is, eating yeah. off of mixed martial arts. There's a guy who puts together the posts in the fucking octagon. Yeah, we there's also the, need all of that stuff. We also we need, need it all. Need Everything light, is absolutely know? necessary. There's, there's that, not, that's the, my point. The, the, the reality the is, no, the, the, the agents and the managers, I, I shouldn't even say this because I'm about to, to say those are the ones who are really sort of eating, but they're necessary too. I have an agent, right? So when I go to work at a vet, you right for me i would likely just take half the money right i would go i'll yeah. say ah, you'll give me that cool let's go fucking do it but i have an agent who goes no no no, no. i'm gonna go negotiate and i'm not afraid of you losing this gig i'm not emotional about it because i have 10 other clients on my roster right so if they walk away from the rate that i think you should be getting for this you don't have to worry about it, Lewis. Just go fucking create. So even the managers and the agents are are pretty necessary when it comes down to this, yeah, right? It's my job. It's my job to know if my agent isn't like if I think he's not getting me ten percent more than I like. If he's not adding that much value, then I would fucking fire him. That's the yep. whole point is that he's adding more value than he charges me. Yeah. And like that. Look, and and the, my only point with the other stuff. Let's move on talking about like the fights. But my only point is like you could also argue the guy who does the lighting. You could say, oh, they're all eating off of. Me. No one would see this if I didn't do the lighting. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a so so in a sense, like yeah. Well, ever and by the way, that's what a good company does. And I've said this before about Equinox because I worked for Equinox for years, right? And one of the things that they did, which I thought was an incredible thing, and I, I take this as influence as a business person now, is they instilled a sense of pride in every department. If you talked to um give me my weed. Thank you. Well, let's talk about eating. I would never talk to my girlfriend that way. Um so, but, but, um, like the front desk, if you talk to the front desk people at Equinox, they would go, this entire club runs because of me. I'm the first person you see. I'm the, I'm the face of the club. I'm the spirit and heart of the club. You talk to the ad sales team or not the ad sales team, the, uh, the salespeople like, yeah, there wouldn't be members if it wasn't for us. We are the, the people who, you know, bring these people into this amazing experience. We cultivate the relationship. We make them fall in love with the club. Personal training, Be like, dude, we're responsible for 80% of the revenue of this entire company. Without us, this company wouldn't, they're all right, technically, right? Like, everyone's yeah. right. But what Equinox did was, as a company, they instilled a sense of pride into every department. And everyone feels as if they are the heartbeat of this company, the heart and soul of this company. And that's why they're above and beyond everybody else. So I think the UFC, you know, for, for Dana White to sit there, Dana White should almost defend it. She'd be like, well, no, we need industry. We need media. We need people covering it on podcasts. Everyone that's eating off of this, we're all sort of eating off each other and we're feeding each other, right? Um, and look, not for nothing, I'm not even hating on Arahuani for making more money than a lot of the fighters. I'm hating on the UFC for allowing an MMA journalist to make more money than most of their roster. That is on them. Similarly, that like, um, and, and I don't actually hate on this at all. So, you know, I guess Ariana Celeste, like it came out and they gave her salary. It was right. like, mil- like $1.2 million a year or something like that. And fighters are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this fucking bitch is making literally 20 times as much money as I'm making. Um, I don't hate on it, but I do understand if you're a fighter, I'd like hire another hot chick. Like redistribute yeah. 1 million of the money she's making to, you know, even just the, 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 you know, the, the, the bottom 10% of the fighters, if you just read it, it would make a massive, like massive you could difference. probably just get some other chick and offer her like 200 bucks a show and get 100%. That. Like you could do that. So I, listen, I, I get, there's an argument there, but who, you know, the UFC runs a company the way they want. And, but my, my not, real reaction fight, is good dude, for Ariane Celeste for her to be able to hustle her way into that. It's not, it's not, it's not a reflection on anything except like personal responsibility. What's in front of you. 
right? If you start worrying about everything else that's going on, right? That's the reason why you don't make as much money as Ariana Celeste. Because you're worried about how much money Ariana Celeste is making. Well, Instead of saying, I, I what can I do to make more money than that? And and there's no, like, the I, what is fair is very subjective. And so it's just impossible that you'll ever have any type of system where everyone is paid their fair salary because d different people have different ideas about what is fair and what isn't fair and it's unfair that some people bring in more money than other people and it's unfair like what exactly should a dentist's salary rate the ratio of like dentist salary to teacher's salary to ufc fighter salary to fucking surgeon's salary like I, you know it's it's like it, it's impossible to actually calculate these things and so you have to just fucking it, it doesn't help anyone for you to like constantly be looking at who's making more than you and feeling like but it's is not there that much fair. variation in the dental industry in terms of pay like is one dentist making 15 to show 15 to win <laughs> the next probably is making I mean, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how much variation. I wonder, like, well, yeah, there's the highest people. paid dentist versus the lowest paid dentist in the United I, I States. I bet like it's a drastic, dude, because someone who just graduated school and got their fucking degree and somebody who runs like a successful private practice are probably making that's like, also different you know, it's being a dentist or running your own business. Right. So are yeah, you an entrepreneur? Yeah. Are you running a private practice like yeah. how this is? It's so funny. Like uh, I always my mind always goes there. Like I was talking to my son's mother and she bartends still. And she was like, yeah, there's just no real, you know, end in bartending. There's no like, and I was like, well, yeah, if you open your own bar, there is, it's this unlimited. Now you open two yeah. bars, three bars, five bars, 10 bars. Some people can't think that way. Yeah. Yeah. You need to open I a bar you. for her. You owe her that much. Yeah, really? Uh, all right. Let's, let's talk about these fights. Cause we're, we're, we are we're running out of time, but uh, uh, not for nothing. People saw the fights. I thought it was an interesting conversation around. I agree. I agree. Topics. I, uh, so did you think Patty Pimblett won the fight or lost the fight? Easy I, peasy. I thought he lost. Um, but I mean, it was fairly close. And I thought that the, um, you know, the the guy he was fighting, what's his name, um, really did himself no favors by kind of he fought that third round as if he was convinced he had the fight. And he needed to just <laughs> kind of stall out. It was another... closer when you look at like the copy strikes, and you, it was closer than it was a close enough seemed. fight that he should have been he should have been coming out there and fighting to go for the kill in the third round. Whatever, it's it's easy to judge, you know, these guys. Um, so I I thought Patty lost the fight. It was not like a wild robbery, you know what I mean? It was it it, it was a somewhat close fight. I I ha I'd have to rewatch it. I did think Patty lost. I'll say. Honestly, I, let me just preface this with just being number one. I have enormous respect for everyone who fucking gets in a cage and fist fights for our entertainment. It's a fuck like it's unbelievable what those guys go through, what they put on the line. This is why we're all such big fans, because it's the most fucking compelling thing in the world that people put everything on the line. And I really like Patty Pimblett and I find him entertaining and charming and all of this shit. Um, I it's become pretty clear that the, I just think his talent level does not justify the hype train, no. dude. And it's just like, it's this kind of banana situation. I've never really seen it before in, in MMA where there's so much hype and it's just not justified by what's like shown in the octagon at yeah. all. And this is just not. None of his performances have been has stood out he's as like not, stellar. They're exciting and fun, but yeah. it is very obvious that he's going to have a similar career to Darren Till, and he's just going to get a bunch of hype. And, and not even out. as they not even want as another Michael Bisping. Not that level though, dude. It's not even Darren Till. I mean, dude, Darren Till was smoking dudes all the way yeah. up till to Jorge Masvidal. Till yeah. Jorge Masvidal, till he fought one of like one of the best guys in the fucking world, and he was and he smoked Cowboy Cerrone, and he smoked like who was a was like a top ten guy at the time, you know. That's like one fifty-five or though. Yeah, but he was a top ten one seventy or for a while too. I mean, I I don't know, whatever. Regardless, it's still you know, Patty is like he is having competitive fights. With unranked guys, you know, unranked, what I mean? like completely uh, unknowns. Yes. Um. And look, that's just let's say unknown. Jared Gordon's been around for a long time. He's super durable. Really, really tough. You're no, not this was a tough really guy. Tough. This was a tough guy, and I, I thought he lost the fight. You know, I mean, it's just um. And look, they're all tough guys. I'm just saying that, like, I I don't see where this train is going, other than to be like, there, there's. I'm just not seeing anything that tells me 
oh, this guy's going to make a run at a title or something like that. I just Do I don't think see that it. The, I have off. Look, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. I was just going to say that Matt Brown was saying that he was that the the closer the higher up Patty goes in talent fight, you know, with his opponents, he's going to be more exposed. Oh yeah, yeah. Unquestionably, I think so. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, Dude, Terrence McKinney's angling for that fight now. We said it back in the day when Terrence was on the show that Terrence would smoke him. After watching Patty struggle with lower-level talent, Terrence would annihilate. Dober would annihilate Patty Pimblett. Yeah. Patty yeah. Pimblett has major, major holes in his game. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to fault him. No, no. You know, he, you know, for for marketing himself, because it's not so much – it's it's half him, half the OC, right? The UFC, I think, really, for the most part, they want stars, right? So if you can come out and kind of move and shake things up a little bit, the UFC will start putting a little bit of heat behind you. They'll put you on a main card. If you have that microphone in front of your face, you call it the right people, the UFC will listen. The fans will get behind it, right? The UFC does that. I think that they're very, um, whatever their intuitive nature for like sort of like growing fighters in a, in a, in a, in a real way um, I think that they're really, really good uh, about that. And you're right. I do think that this is probably the first time where it really seems like they are missing the mark, where they're like they're pushing a guy like like he's the next Connor. He has Connor type hype with like, I mean, really, really limited skills. And I'm not saying that he can't get better and he, he can't grow into being the best in the world. If I had to guess, he's going to lose to anybody in the top 10. Anybody oh yeah, I just don't. I I don't see it. I don't see from what I'm looking at here. Maybe <laughs> I'm wrong, and and it doesn't go the way you know we think here. But from what I'm looking at, it's like, oh yeah, like he's not even ready. I, I don't think for anything like that. And you know, Terrence McKinney is not in the top ten. And yeah. I get, I think he'll fucking wreck him, like yeah. just tear through him. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know. So it's just it's a it's an interesting situation to see so much hype around this kid, and and I'm just not seeing it fight wise. Not seeing anything that even close so, to justifies So a lot of the hype of around hype. Connor, a lot of the hype around because I'm talking about guys that came in with hype, right? Connor, yeah. Anderson, um, I'm trying to think who came. Ronda Rousey. That was a little different. Her hype wasn't. It was because she was a good fighter, right? But it was yeah. she was only that good of a fighter because women's MMA just wasn't evolved enough. But whatever it was for it, at the time, she was dominant overall. These but, guys, but but the the. It's a little different than like she was so high because she was a female who was somewhat attractive, who was undefeated. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Little different. Anderson and Connor, the hype that they came in with was because of what they accomplished outside of the octagon in, in yeah. other organizations. It was like people knew when when Anderson came in, people that were in the know knew people knew Connor was this fucking next level talent. And um, Connor was always good on the mic, hype. but Connor wasn't. Connor wasn't money like mo you know money Connor the way he is now. On, no, on the he microphone. was excited about fifty G's. He yeah, dude. Excited, you know? So it it was a little different. Patty, I feel like his hype comes from him talking shit. Ninety five percent of it, you know, and he's got exciting fights, and he's in, it's it's mixed martial arts. It's great, but it's not because people are like, holy shit, this guy is the next big thing. He's saying it. Nobody else really was like, oh, dude, he's the fucking future champion. He's the next fucking big thing. I haven't heard that from anybody really in the know, right? Yeah, and um, you, and and Conor McGregor, you know, and, and Anderson Silver and Conor, they come in with this hype, and then they fucking are smoking guys. They like, just, exceed like, the hype. They, they, they go, like, they go, oh they live God. beyond, they live way beyond the hype. Like, so Anderson, Anderson became the greatest of all time. Connor became the biggest pay-per-view star yes, ever. But and honestly, not for nothing, there was a time where Connor was maybe number one pound for pound. He was when Connor was at 145. At 145, right he, he looked, dude, he went through, he went through and destroyed Dustin Poirier and Max Holloway, took the, the Jose Aldo, who had been champ for the entirety of the division, and and slept him in the first round and in, in his first punch. You know what I mean? Like he would, yeah, he looked like the Michael Jordan of of MMA. And mm -hmm. Anderson Silva came in and just takes this guy Chris Lieben, who's really really popular and well known, and like annihilates him then in his next fight takes the champion you know consider well it's so funny because you, now now we're seeing uh, now we're seeing it's so rare right unless it's a flash knockout or something like that but we we just watched um uh what's his name do you know have a a, a perfect fight um against uh holland um hamzat oh yeah right, right. 
just I'm in a perfect fight, like just didn't take any damage. That was unheard of in Anderson Silva's day. When Anderson Silva came in, he fought Chris Lieben and Muay Thai fought him in a but yeah. didn't get touched with a guy who's like a brawler who's just sort of known to bite down on his mouthpiece and start wailing shots. Chris Lieben was a fucking he just he's gonna hit you. He's gonna take some, he's gonna yeah, hit no, you. Anderson right? like threw 15 strikes and they all landed perfectly, didn't get touched, and just it was like a level. Like a, it was a video game. That you weren't, yeah, and it wasn't like. Then Chris Lieben was known at the time as being a good striker, and it was like it wasn't like he was a level above him or two levels above him. He was like night and day you know, difference. Yes, like just like a whole different class. What was um, the best in the world versus a top? You know, maybe top fifteen. What was he? He was top ten, maybe at the time. He might have even been top ten. I don't know. He might have been. Yeah. I, it was just a, it was a way thinner division back then. You remember? Sure, sure. But I'm just saying this is this thing with Patty Pimblett here is just different. And now you almost are deciding. This is why I think in a, in a lot of way the Terrence McKinney fight makes sense. I think Dana White and these guys at the UFC like they are realists and they know what they're doing for their business. Bottom line, you're almost deciding like, okay, who are you going to pass Pat, Patty's hype on to, or who are you going to at least pass whatever they should you can do with of Terrence. that. And Terrence seems like a guy to do it with, you know, like that guy actually looks like he could be like a star uh, for a long time to come. He's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. So why not? Why not give it to him? It is interesting. Yeah. They have to make the decision. They know. They know that it's not Patty. They know that Patty's not going to be champion. That's really interesting. They know. As if we know, Dana White and company know. Right. So we could all sit here and pretend. So who are they? Who are they going to go? All right. Well, we need to take this marketability. It's a marketing machine. Patty's done all this work. And now a guy like Terrence can come in and go, mine. Thank yep, you. No, Appreciate no, all I'm... that work you put in. Appreciate well, all I... that. Oh, t- 10 years of you building yourself up. Mine now. Well, this is why the, the this is why they tried to match Hamzat up with Nate. You know what I mean? To go like, mm-hmm. okay, well, if he's leaving, but he's this humongous star, who can we make off of him? And they didn't, you know, they, they don't go. Their, their first pick wasn't Tony Ferguson. You know, they did that to save the card, but why wouldn't they just, uh, you know, a lot of people after that fight fell apart, they were like, oh, well, the Tony Ferguson fight makes more sense anyway, which is, uh, you know, there's a strong argument for that. But it's like, well, the UFC isn't going like, hey, let's take all of this hype and give it to like an older vet who's on the way down. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not <laughs> well, that's one that or two fights them. left. In a, yeah. Like all. what they want is to give it to like their next guy who they can eat off of for a long time, you know? And so that's a. Uh, and I don't say that in like a negative sense, like eat off of, but you know what I mean. Um, and so that's that's almost the thing now. And Terrence McKenney seems like almost the perfect candidate for that. Like, who? Do, what do you want? You want some like some some vet who's not really going to make a run themselves to just take out Patty Pimblet, which will end up happening if you give him someone like that. Yeah. So why not give it to Young Star? All right, let's uh, let's talk about the main event real quick. We got a little bit of time left here. Um, Jan, were you surprised? Um, can I can I start this by asking you? Were you surprised? Because I was that Dana White was so down on the main event. I kept talking about fight. what a terrible fight it was. I, was I like fight. I've seen terrible fights before. I did not think that was a terrible fight. I actually found it to be. I thought it was a really interesting fight. It wasn't like the most action packed fight ever. Um, but it was. I, I I don't know. There were really interesting moments in it. All right, Dave, let's take a quick moment and thank YoKratom.com for being a longtime supporter of this show. YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. If you guys are in the market for Kratom and you're over the age of 21 years old, you got to be getting it at the best possible price with the best possible quality directly from YoKratom, who might I add, are once again the marquee sponsors for Skankfest. Without YoKratom, none of the shit we do here at Gas Digital and Skankfest and Legion of Skanks would be possible. So shout out to YoKratom in a very big way. Yeah, from what I understand, it was a very successful launch of the pre-sale tickets yesterday. Yeah, dude, sold out in just a few minutes. And and once again, that was through YoKratom.com. So shout out to them, support them, go buy a $60 kilo. Fuck it, dude. If, you, if you're not on the market for Kratom, you got some fucking weirdo in your life that's slurping on Kratom all the time. It's a I great like, Christmas gift. I like to keep some in the house in case I have company over. That's Anyone a great... want a soda or some Kratom? Red wine? Vodka? <laughs> Kratom? Anyone? Uh, YoKratom.com. All right, where were we? I uh, think Dana you... White, at that point, when you catch him in a post-fight press conference, it's like catching a guy after they get knocked out. You should maybe shouldn't yeah. interview him, right? <laughs> so Dana White, he's pissed off. Patty Pimblett, everyone online is going, dude, UFC is fucking, they're, they're you know, the, the judges are fucking calling it for Patty. It's a robbery. It's on purpose. He's being accused, essentially, of cheating for his fighters, which I don't believe that's the case. No. However, more often than not, when the guy who's being hyped 
is in a close decision with another guy, that guy is being hyped wins. I would love to see the data on it. I'm not a journalist. I wish that our team, I know that we're, there's no, we'll never get it done. I know <laughs> when our team, will, but if somebody out there could just get it done, fucking let me know the amount of times where the hyped guy is in a close decision and it doesn't go to him. I, I'd also, uh, you know, also Dana White's probably pissed off about the uh, the result of the main event because he wanted to make a new champion and now he doesn't get a new yeah. champion. So well, then that. then it goes into so he's salty about that. He's like, fuck, dude. He's like, and he's feeling the heat. He's checking his Twitter. He knows what's going on. Then he get, the main event comes in and it's a fucking, you know, especially compared to the rest of the card, which is so many finishes, uh, a lackluster main event. Um, it end up, ends up being a fucking split draw. No champion is determined. There is it's a pointless, uh, essentially endeavor. He was just salty after that fight, um, and probably a little bit unfairly to Blahovich and um, Ankalaev. It was the Lewis yeah. J. Gomez of decisions. Okay, I don't get it. What do you mean? Just sometimes your life is just a draw, man. You're just not winning. You're not losing. You're just. <laughs> <laughs> I I I thought it my was life actually... really is a split draw. <laughs> but then I, I was I supposed thought... to get knocked out in a minute. Yeah, no, you did pretty good. It's true. That is really true. Um, I I thought it wasn't like the most exciting fight I've ever seen, but I actually thought it was a really interesting fight. Um, I thought it was. I thought Ankalaev was really impressive that he came back after having both his legs severely compromised, looking like he was just kind of dead in the water, and then mm -hmm. came back. I thought he did enough to win the fight. Um, but it was close. Uh. I don't know what to say. I don't really care that a champion wasn't crowned because it's kind of these things aren't real. Once it goes like this, it's almost not real until there's a few title defenses. You know what I mean? It's like, not real anyway. It's not. None no, of it's real. None no, of but it's I mean, real. like, no, of course. But just the way it is just a piece it. of metal around a dude's waist in the world. And if you if you were to talk to the gods right now and they were really they're peering their eye down on Earth, it doesn't matter. They go, this that, is silly. Uh, what a, a silly, silly thing these pieces. <laughs> it's like no, when you watch like, like when you watch two ants fighting over a piece of like uh, a breadcrumb like on the ground, be like, that's interesting. Look at these silly ants. You just no, squash that's them. like more that's more tangible. Like one of them's gonna eat and the other one's gonna be hungry. This is well, just like, one's gonna eat, know. one's gonna be hungry. You know, it's an analogy for the fighter lifestyle, my friend. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but anyway, but now that they just pick a different it's it's so random to go, okay, so we're just gonna make a different group of two fighters the champion now. Because those are the best. Well, who's the best, fuck face? Are yeah, these yeah. Yeah, just, if you're right logically they should run this back if these guys were so, but uh, that wasn't the, the original the original fight was to share versus versus uh, right yeah. no no the uh, original Pro fight Chaska. was a rematch oh for the title. versus yeah, for, uh, yeah and then he evidently is got real fucked up shoulder he's out like for a, a while year. yeah so he's there that's the whole thing with that and, and so then Teixeira like, didn't want to fight Ankalaev. That's what it was. He said he wouldn't have been ready or, or Yeah, whatever. he said he couldn't, like, change the opponent on short notice or something like that. So instead they went this. I don't know. Whatever. The whole division's kind of up in the air right now. All, it's not as if this was very clearly the one and two guy in the division no. fighting. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, I mean, it's Prohaska. Look, the, the reality is he's out. He's the guy. You know, we don't really. Ha it should just be an interim title. It should. That's yeah. what it should be. It, it, they they throw interim titles for no reason. They throw them around like it's nothing. And then the time where it almost should be, you're like, well, no, we know the best guy is injured. We know that. Well, the reason I know he's going to be out for a year. I I said this for a long time. There should be clear cut criteria. I think that if you are out for one year, you're automatically stripped of your title, right? The interim guy, the you 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 give the interim guy the the or his next win is the that next fight whoever has the interim title that person is awarded the title but it's after one year from the date and they could just make it clear as possible they really it's such an easy thing instead of sort of arbitrarily choosing oh well these guys are just popular we want to throw a title on the on well the, the reason they don't want to do that is because they want to be able to in each situation do what they think's best for the company and they don't want to be constrained by oh we already agreed to this rule or but something what's like beautiful that. about i this agree sport with you is that no matter which way the wind blows it's sort of this is why the ufc is great and they really almost shouldn't overthink the matchmaking or any of this stuff just put the best guys up against the best guys it's interesting enough of a sport that it will work itself out yeah no, we will end up with the most compelling matchups we will end up with the, the best four possible um you know it, we are only removed we're talking about anderson silva right we're only a decade removed from the ufc throwing the title up for grabs on the ultimate fighter on a reality show yeah. with guys who don't deserve a title we're only a decade removed from travis luter fight well he, he missed weight but he won the ultimate right, fighter right. matt sarah won the ultimate fighter 
you know, th that was the prize back in the day as they were giving out fucking title shots. So don't sit here and act like, you know, I, I just can't, I sort of roll my eyes a little bit when we're talking about like interim titles and the best in the world and any of this other stuff. It's like, you know, I'd like to think uh, that God though does put title belts into contention. If he has to choose like, it's like, completely, it's not at all. Like Lewis thinks God's up there going, this is for the title. This that's is right. huge. Like if it's between me and you, Lewis, and it's close, he's like, "Well, Lewis has got a blue belt. You gotta take Lewis." And there you go. Even you know, so start believing. God loves arbitrary titles. Love it. Um. All right, let's wrap this one up. Shout out to YoKratom.com for supporting today's show. Um, go support them. Home of the sixty dollar kilo. We'll be back next Monday or normal time. Um. 6 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Gas Digital Network. Subscribe to Gas Digital. Use the promo code YOMMA for a seven-day free trial. There's, uh, I think there's like 30 episodes of this show that you can't get anywhere else that are behind the paywall, but obviously all the Legion of Skanks, part of the problem, real ass podcast. Um, so many incredible shows here on the Gas Digital Network, all ad-free, uncensored, and in one place. Live dates coming up. I'll be in Toronto this weekend with the great Aaron Berg. Uh, that me and Dave Smith, the comedy store just about sold out. Just a handful of tickets left, about 20 tickets left for the comedy store. New Year's Eve, myself, Dave Smith, Karen Fee, and Zach Amico, Crack Amico, Colin Turrell. What a fucking lineup. Um, and then I'm going all over the place. Washington, D.C., Phoenix, Arizona, Cuyahoga Falls, Minneapolis, and many, many, many more places all coming up um, in this uh, winter and spring. All right. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I'll see you out there on uh, New Year's at the at the comedy store. I got a bunch of stuff coming up in uh 2023. Comicdavesmith.com for all the ticket links. That's all, all right. We're out. Thanks. Peace.